I come like a comet newborn, like the sun that arises at morning. I come like the furious tempest that follows the thundercloud's warning. I come like the fiery lava from cloud-covered mountains volcanic. I come like a storm from the north that the oceans awake to in I come because tyranny planted my seed in the hot desert sand. I come because masters have kindled my fury with every command. I come because man cannot murder the life-giving seed in his veins. I come because liberty cannot forever be fettered by chains. I come because tyrants imagine that mankind is only the throne. I come because peace has been nourished by bullets and cannons alone. I come because one world is two and we face one another with rage. I come because gods have been posted to keep out the hope of the age. From various times the oppressed have awaked me and called me to lead them. I guided them out of enslavement and brought them to high roads of freedom. I marched at the head of their legions and hailed the new world at its birth. And now I shall march with the peoples until they untether the earth. And you, are your sanctified money bags, bandits anointed and crowned. Your counterfeit towers of justice and ethics will crash to the ground. I send my good sword to your hearts that have drained the world's blood in their lust. And smash all your crowns and your scepters and trample them into the dust. I'll rip off your rich purple garments and tear them to rags and to shreds. And never again will their glitter be able to turn people's heads. At last your cold world will be robbed of its proud to the critical blow. For we shall dissolve it as surely as sunlight dissolves the deep souls. I'll break down your cobweb morality, shatter the old chain of lies, and catch all your black-hooded creatures and choke them as though they were flies. I'll put a quick end to your heavens, your gods that are deaf to all prayers. I'll scatter your futile old spirits and clean up the earth and the air. And though you may choke me and shoot me and hang me, your toil is in vain. No dungeon, no gallows can scare me, nor will I be frightened by pain. Each time I'll rise from the earth and break through all your weapons of doom Until you are finished forever Until you are dust in the tomb
And that was Dick Goen singing Revolution from A Different Kind of Love Song. Welcome to Polyrical, a podcast of political music, a soundtrack for the resistance, a topical solution for the political revolution. I want to hear from you, so if you want to send me a message, let me know what you liked or didn't like, or offer me a suggestion for a future episode, you can email me at polyrical at gmail.com, or you can go to the website polyrical.com, and you can uh, click on a link to send me a message or um, request a song or an artist for an upcoming episode. And you can also follow me on Twitter at polyrical. This episode is going to be a little different from the regular format. Uh, no specific artist of the episode, this episode, and all the songs are on the same topic. So this is a topical episode. The topic of the episode is revolution. So I just went through my um, current uh, music um, catalog and just grabbed every song with revolution in the name for you to listen to this uh, episode. We're going to hear Howard Zinn talk about the American Revolution. Then we're going to hear Anti-Flag from the album Underground Network with Culture Revolution. And then the American Revolution comes along, and one of its functions is to suppress class conflict as wars are very often fought with that purpose. Well, when I say purpose, it suggests a, a, a more deliberate conspiracy than I mean. But let's put it this way, that one of the consequences of wars very often, and one of the accompaniments of wars, is very often the creation of a country united against a common enemy, and therefore a country which the leaders of the country hope will put aside the internal conflicts, the class conflicts, the uh, feeling of the poor against the rich, put that aside to face the, the common enemy in the case of the American Revolution, England. Didn't wholly succeed because even during the American Revolution there were uh, uh, rebellions, soldiers, class conflict in the army. Uh, I mean, there's no class division more sharp and more humiliating than class divisions in the military and where privates were not being paid and officers were being paid very lavishly and so they mutinied and they marched on the Continental Congress in Philadelphia and threatened it and a number of them had to be taken out by George Washington and, and their fellow soldiers ordered to shoot them uh, as, a, as a lesson to the rest.
guaranteed worse than from any government, as far as I'm concerned. Everyone knows, knows. We can't do our job anymore. Let us get this clear. was Billy Bragg. That was a revolution bonus track off of the remastered Don't Try This at Home. I was very fortunate to see Billy Bragg play that live uh, either at the end of the 80s or the beginning of the 90s. I don't remember which. And he powered through it even with a broken string or two. Before that, we heard Revolution featuring George W. Bush. That was cold cut off the compilation album Adbusters, Live Without a Dead Time. And prior to that, from the album Private Revolution, the song Private Revolution from World Party. 
Up next, you're going to hear Dan Burton, Nobicon, and the Axis, Axis of Descent. This is Revolution 9.01. Dan Burt, of course, from the band, for formerly of the band, Chumbawamba. And after that, we're going to hear Steve Earle with The Revolution Starts Now. did it come to this? Where do we go from here? When the oligarch knows better than all the world scientists As if phenomena will bow down to loggeria As if the rest of us will take this lying down So I propose a toast Charles Darwin, Alan Dissanayaka, Brian Boyd, Theo Wilson, et al. for giving us the tools to comprehend where we came from, how we got here, and where we're bound. And I curse the return of the H.G. Wells Who once wrote When the lights were going out all over Europe That human history is a race between education And the catastrophe that embraces us now Singing, do 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 
accepted as we are by the atmosphere. Our animal chemical warning rings around the ecosphere. This is our wake up call. This is game on.
invited to this film festival, never been invited to a film festival before, just like I've never been in, uh, introduced in terms of Sufi philosophy. All sorts of <laughs> new things are happening to me, you see. Never been invited to a film festival. And so I thought, well, here's my chance. Right? Here, here are filmmakers, and, uh, and I will tell them about the things that I wanted to see done on film, you see so that they can all immediately go out and do it. Uh, so here, uh, so. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think about, uh, think about making films that will make war abhorrent to people. And when you think about the films that have come out of Hollywood about war, and there have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of films about war, uh, they are almost always films that glorify military heroism and war. I mean, there are occasional departures from that, but mostly, mostly it's, 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 yes, military heroes and military heroism uh, and the kind of films uh, uh, that will not uh, persuade uh, young audiences that they should not immediately uh, go to war and, and embrace war. Uh, and uh, so I began, I began to think about telling a story of wars from, from a different perspective. Uh, and when you look at war from, from a different perspective, uh, you, you, know, you come up with all, all sorts of scenarios. Uh, and you take the Revolutionary War, which, well, how, how can you speak against the Revolutionary War, right? It's one of our good wars. We have, you know, we have lists. We have good wars, bad wars. I had a student once who, who wrote about war, and she, she said, you know, wars are, are like wines. There were good years and bad years. Okay, see? Said, but war, she said, is not like wine. Said, war is like cyanide. One drop and you're dead. So even the good wars need to be re-examined and seen as not simply uh, how they're presented to us in such a way as to make uh, war acceptable as a way of solving problems. And so I'll take this one of the best of our wars, which is the Revolutionary War, uh, and if you tell the story of the revolution not from the standpoint of the founding fathers and not from the standpoint of, yes, uh, the need for... And remember, wars, yes, they're complex phenomenon and there are moral issues intertwined with them and the Americans uh, uh, were oppressed by the English uh, but there were also Americans who were oppressed by Americans. The Revolutionary War was not that simple. And if you... Uh, uh, I mean, for instance, uh, Indians did not rush in exultation to celebrate the victory of the colonists over England because for them it meant that the line that the British had set uh, against 
westward expansion, uh, the proclamation of 1763, that line would now be obliterated and now the colonists would be free to move west into Indian territory. They were not celebrating the American Revolution. Black slaves were not celebrating the American Revolution. And, you know, it was estimated that maybe one-third of the American colonists supported the American Revolution. And one-third were opposed. And one-third were neutral. This was John Adams, one of the founding fathers and one of the, one of the revolutionary leaders. This was his estimate. And so I thought it would be interesting to tell the story of the American Revolution from the standpoint of uh, uh, just an ordinary working man who... Uh, uh, listens to the Declaration of Independence read to him uh, from the balcony in Boston promising freedom and equality and so on and immediately told uh, that rich people can get out of service by paying several hundred dollars. Yeah. But who then, in, uh, despite his misgivings and despite his own feeling of being oppressed, not just by the British but by the leaders of the, the colonial world in which he is having such a hard time uh, surviving with his family, but he joins because he's promised some land and so on. But then he becomes, a, a, in, as the war progresses and he sees the, uh, the, the, the uh, mutilations and the killings, and he sees that the officers of the Revolutionary Army are living in high splendor, and the privates, I mean, there's no, you know, there's no place in society where the class divisions are more clear-cut than in the military. And, and, and the ordinary enlisted men uh, don't have any clothes and don't have any shoes and aren't being paid and are, are being fed slop. And so he joins the mutineers. And you know, in the Revolutionary War, there were uh, mutinies uh, against Washington's army. And uh, the mutiny of the Pennsylvania line, the mutiny of the New Jersey line. So I thought it would be interesting to tell a story of a, of a working man who joins the Revolutionary Army and fights in battles and is wounded, but who then joins the uh, Pennsylvania line and they mutiny and they march on the Continental Congress, but finally they're surrounded by Washington's army and, and several of their... Their comrades are forced to shoot several of the mutineers. And then this uh, 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 soldier, uh, embittered by what he's seen, gets out of the army, gets some land in western Massachusetts, and then becomes a part of the rebellion after the, uh, after the war is over. Uh, there is a rebellion in western Massachusetts called Shea's Rebellion, uh, in which the farmers, small farmers, are rebelling against the... the uh, uh, rich men who control the legislature in Boston who are imposing heavy taxes on them, taking away their land and their farms. And Shea's Rebellion is a popular rebellion of, of veterans of the Revolutionary War and, uh, and other small farmers uh, who surround the courthouses and refuse to let the auctioneer uh, go in there to auction off their farms. And, sometimes, and then, then the, the uh, militia is called out to suppress them and then a militia goes over to their side and until finally an army is raised uh, by the moneyed people in Boston that finally suppresses Shea's rebellion. But I have never seen that story told.
What's been true of all revolutions from the beginning, the French, the American. This is a fictional song, a cinematic song. You've got a picture, this mansion on the top of a hill housing the last of the idle rich, the last of the bourgeois, the last of the folk singers, as, as they're being encircled tighter and tighter by the ringing of revolution. All the people on the inside spiritually resemble Charles Lawton. And all the people on the outside physically resemble Lee Marvin. As a matter of fact, the song is so cinematic that it's been made into a movie. It stars Senator Carl Hayden as Ho Chi Minh. <laughs> Frank Sinatra plays Fidel Castro. Ronald Reagan plays George Murphy. <laughs> John Wayne plays Lyndon Johnson. And Lyndon Johnson plays God. I play Bobby Dillon. The young Bobby Dillon. In a building of gold with riches untold Lived the families in which the country was founded And the merchants of star with their vain velvet smiles were there For they also were hounded And the soft middle class crowded into the last For the building was fully surrounded and the noise outside was the ringing of revolution. Sadly, they stared and sank in their chairs and searched for comforting notions. And the rich silver walls looked ready to fall as they shook in doubtful devotion. The ice cubes would clink as they freshened their drinks, wet their minds in bitter emotion. And they talked about the ringing of revolution. We were hardly aware of the hardships they bed for our time. Taken with treasure 
Oh, life was a game and work was a shame And pain was prevented by pleasure The world cold and gray was so far away In distance only money could measure But their thoughts were broken by the ringing of revolution And the clouds filled the room in darkening doom As the crooked smoke rings were rising How long will it take? How can we escape? Someone asks, but no one's advising And the quivering floor responds to the roar And a shake no longer surprising as closer and closer comes the ringing of revolution so softly they moan please leave us alone as back and forth they are pacing and they cover their ears and try not to hear with pillows of silk they're embracing the crackling crowd is laughing out loud peeking in at the target they're chasing now trembling inside the ringing of revolution With compromise sway, we gave it half away When we saw that rebellion was a-growing Now everything's lost as they kneel by the cross Where the blood of Christ is still flowing Too late for their sorrow, they've reached their tomorrow And reaped the seed they were sowing now harvested by the ringing of revolution. In tattered tuxedos they face the new heroes and crawls about in confusion. And they sheepishly grinned for their memories were dim of the decades of dark execution. Hollow hands raised, they stood there amazed In the shattering of their illusions As the windows were smashed by the ringing of revolution Down on our knees, we're begging you please We're sorry for the way you were driven There's no need to taunt, just take what you want And we'll make amends if we're living But away from the ground, the flames told the town That only the dead are forgiven as they vanished inside the ringing of revolution.
and there but for fortune is the album phil oaks was the singer that was ringing of revolution before that we heard revolution and i don't know the artist from that track that's a track i picked up off of youtube when bernie sanders was running in 2016 something i used as a lead in to my other podcast which was at that time called bernie 2020 but was rebranded shortly after the 2016 election and now that other podcast i do is called bernie 2020 you should check it out before that song we heard revolution in the revolution from the album stories hollywood never tells that also was howard zinn just two more songs to go we're going to hear leon rosselson and rob johnson off of their album no gods no masters live a, a live performance featuring songs from leon rosselson and rob johnson mixed in with them reading about and from Tom Paine. Well, even this old bus She's like the revolution Moves real slow Down these dirt roads But the people ride Get to where they're going on this old bus down these dirt roads. They sing, I, 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 small revolution, small revolution. Make the wheels turn round. Turn a whole world round. And a driver on the bus. Well, she's like a presidente. She better take this bus where we want to go. Sometimes she maybe think you're so importante. But without the people, the bus got. Nowhere to go. You sing, I, I, I. Small revolutions, small revolutions, and the wheels turn round. I, I, I. Small revolutions, small revolutions, they turn our whole world round. But it's the people on the bus They are the revolution If the bus breaks down You know what to do You get the bonnet up Someone hits it with a hammer Then it's everybody out Everybody pushing the wheel she moves You say, I The wheels turn round. I, 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 slow revolution. 
And that will just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, you can check out the website polyrical.com where you can make a one-time or recurring pledge to help keep this podcast free and independent. And you can check out back episodes there as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Polyrical. And you can send me an email at polyrical at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. So wrapping up this episode from their album Spirit, this is Depeche Mode with the question and the song, Where's the Revolution? Thanks for listening.
Nazareth.